Chapter number six of the Laughing Bear and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cassie. The Laughing Bear and Other Stories by Robert Bloomer Hare Bell. Chapter six. The Leviathan. Many years ago, before New York was settled, a poor old crocodile left her native Egyptian shores and swam to the mouth of the Hudson River. Up the river bank she crawled till she found a home. Here she laid ten eggs and hid them in the hot sand. Soon ten wee long jaws came out and crept about in the sun. Mother Crocodile fed her offspring with small birds that she caught by lying in the river with her mouth wide open. The birds, seeing only the upper part of the great jaws, were easily fooled into mistaking them for an old tree trunk. Sometimes as many as fifty of them flew down to rest and gossip on the crocodile's teeth and cold tongue. Suddenly, when the clatter was loudest, the huge jaws came together with a mighty snap crushing every little warbler. Then the cunning old mother fed her children with sweet titbits. In the course of five years, one of the young brood had grown to a monstrous size, and his ugly temper made him the terror of all others. One day, in a fit of anger, he bit his two sisters so badly that they died. Then the savage reptile disappeared and stayed away, none of the family knew where, for fifteen years. At the end of that time, he returned to find his mother dying, with her seven good sons about her, weeping bitter tears. But not a sign of pity did the returned wanderer show his dying mother and her sorrowing children. He was now a monster more than a hundred feet in length, and it was no wonder that when the brothers, pygmies in comparison with him, saw him coming toward them, they fled in terror to the river, leaving their helpless mother at the mercy of her wicked son. Toward evening, the brothers crept to the bank to see what was going on, and the furious giant, who was lying in wait for them, caught five of the little fellows and killed them, as if in mere love of slaughter. The two others saved their lives by hiding till dark, when they fled to a place of safety down the river. Not content with killing his brothers, the fiendish destroyer turned upon his mother, telling her that he had come back to avenge the insults heaped upon him when he was a little fellow. Then, with a vicious snap, he bit off her tail, and she died at sundown. What a terrible brother, thought the two escaping crocodiles as they made their way farther from the scene of danger. But the truth of the whole matter was that the monstrous fellow was not really their brother at all. He was the great leviathan from Asia. You see, after the old crocodile had laid her ten eggs in the hot sun to hatch, Mendacia, the mother of lies and injustice, exchanged a leviathan egg for one of the crocodile eggs. 
So when the eggs were hatched, Mrs. Crocodile, without knowing it, had a stranger among her own children. Mendacia was jealous of the new nation across the waters, and had secretly followed the old crocodile, hoping to destroy the young republic through her terrible leviathan. This monster was related to all the leviathans that did so much damage to the children of Israel in the days of Moses. These beasts had always been murderers and man-eaters, and Mendacia was the evil spirit that prompted all the wicked deeds. So here she was in the land of America, with her cruel monster fully grown and ready to begin work. Fifteen years ago, when her pet had committed murder, she it was who carried him away to shield him from just punishment. She was with him when he killed his mother, and Mendacia and her slave Brutus applauded him for that crime of unspeakable shame. After committing this terrible deed, Leviathan lay down and slept for a month. Meanwhile, Brutus built a beautiful house on Leviathan's back, and Mendacia richly furnished it. When the sleeper awoke, slowly he opened his dull eyes and blinked. Then, more slowly, he opened his forty-foot mouth and shook his forty-foot tail. As yet he was unconscious of the house upon his back. But when he rose to his short legs and shook himself, he realized that he was holding up something besides his own weight. Finding that he could not shake off his strange burden, the beast made for the river and attempted to sink, but could not do that, for the house kept him afloat. He tried to roll over, to turn a somersault, but all in vain. At last, exhausted, he lay in the river as if dead. It was then that Mendacia spoke words of reproof to her beast. Leviathan, you poor foolish fellow, why do you make such a fuss over a thing that you cannot change? If you disturb my house any more, I'll be compelled to drive a nail through your back into your heart. But if you obey me, all will be well, and I'll be your best friend. I'll help you obtain your food, and I promise that one human being a day will be furnished for your evening meal. Come, will you agree to do as I say, or not? The Leviathan thought for a long time, and ended in blinking his lazy consent. Now, on the bank of the river lived a boy and a girl. The boy's name was Lex, and the girl was Veritas. Both were seventeen years old. One hot July day, Lex took his friend for a little row up the Hudson. They had not gone far before they spied a peculiar craft coming toward them. Lex ceased rowing, and the two gazed with wonder at the strange sight. On came the wonderful house, like a floating palace upon a brown island. It was the Leviathan, of course. As it approached them, a beautiful woman gracefully walked towards the snout of the Leviathan, followed by her slave, and both sat down on the humps that formed the monster's eyebrows. From these commanding positions, they held curtains over the creature's eyes, lest he should become too restive and frighten away his prey. The beast had not eaten a human morsel for many days, and he was very hungry. 
Nearer and nearer came the boy and the girl to the threatened destruction. But Mendacia, whose eyes were fastened upon the boy, suddenly thought of a new way to vary her life of plotting and murder. How amusing it would be to drag the children aboard and play with them a little before taking their lives. It would be such fun to hear them crying and begging for the mercy that would never be granted. So she guided the leviathan by gently tapping him with her heel till the children's boat touched his side, and then, quicker than can be told, she and Brutus dragged the surprised youngsters aboard. When the monster knew what the woman was doing, and found that his anticipated dinner had been lifted upon his back, his barking sounded like thunderclaps, and his great thrashing tail lashed the water into foam. But the woman told her captives that they were on an island, and that the noises were made by machinery. She ordered a sumptuous luncheon, and while the children ate with great delight, she watched them. Finally, she decided to serve Veritas to the hungry monster and keep Lex. Why not keep him and make a slave of him? With this in view, she gave the boy a powerful drink, which made him entirely subject to her will while he was under its influence. He entirely forgot poor Veritas. When Veritas saw what influence the woman had gained over Lex, she was much disturbed. As soon as she found an opportunity to speak to her friend, the girl said, Oh, Lex, do not go near that woman who is as ugly as she can be. Yes, she was ugly to all who did not like her, but to Lex, she seemed very beautiful, and he was angry with Veritas for making such a remark. But before he could reply, they heard Mendacia talking to her beast. Be quiet a little while, she said. Your supper will soon be served. What did it all mean? The crashing of the great jaws and the roaring of the ravenous beast made a hideous din. The children now knew that they were on the back of some sea monster, and the thought made both shudder. Even Lex began to see the woman as she was, though the charm had not entirely lost its effect. But he had not long to wait before learning her real character. As soon as she had convinced the monster that he would be fed, he quieted down, and Mendacia walked with dignity toward the children. Before she reached them, her slave appeared and delivered a message to his mistress. Most gracious queen, he said, bowing very low, there is a man swimming at a little distance. What shall we do? Mendacia hesitated. But reflecting that the magic potion she had given Lex would make everything she did look right to him, she decided to secure the bather for the leviathan's meal. She did not care for Veritas's opinion. In fact, she was glad of an opportunity to frighten her. So she directed the beast toward the bather. Being naked, the man modestly crouched as far beneath the water as possible, and in amazement he watched the craft glide nearer and nearer. When they were almost upon the poor fellow, Veritas screamed. The man turned to flee, but hesitated because he had no clothes, and only sank deeper in the dark waters, while Mendacia called to him with a gentle voice, 
and inviting motion of her arm. It did not take long for something to happen. The hungry monster was overeager and snatched for his prey too soon. With a wild yell, the man sprang to his feet and plunged for the bank, the leviathan following him rapidly. The children, speechless with fright, watched the frantic efforts of the man striving to escape his pursuer. With a sigh of relief they saw him, not more than a few feet beyond the beast's snout, reach the bank and stagger for safety. The monster climbed the bank after him, with his burden swaying on his back like a captive balloon. But the man reached a small cave, into which he flung himself with all the strength that he had left. All this happened so quickly that the children did not comprehend it. They leaned weakly against the side of the house, scarcely realizing that they were on the beast's back. By this time, Lex had fully recovered from the spell. Suddenly, he turned upon Mendacia with a scathing rebuke, calling her an ugly hag and a terrible monster. Mendacia was terribly enraged again. Sharp lines of anger furrowed her face. Fearing for his companion, Lex caught her arm and they turned and fled into the house. The woman quickly followed and, with the help of the serving man, thrust them into a dark room with a warning that if they did not obey her, their end was near. Though much frightened, the prisoners barricaded the door as best they could and tried to plan a way of escape. They thought of several schemes but dismissed them as not being likely to succeed. At last, Lex whispered, Oh, Veritas, I know what all shall do. And he drew out his pocket knife. I'll dig through this floor to the beast's hide and scoop a few handfuls of leather from his hide till he shakes the house off his back. At once, the boy proceeded to put his words into action. It was not easy as it seemed, for the wood of the floor was hard and the knife not very sharp. But soon, Lex found a small crack and set to work to whittle his way through. For hours he worked. His hands became so sore that he had to rest every few minutes, and Veritas took turns at whittling, till Lex refused to let her work any longer. At last, the boy succeeded in making a hole through which he could easily approach the back of the monster. It was then midnight, and all was ready for the last act, but now Lex was too tired to do more. Both he and Veritas were so weary that they fell into a deep slumber. Just before the sun rose, the slave sprang out of bed to begin preparations for breakfast. He crept into his mistress's room and found that she was asleep. Then he thought that he would take a look at the children. He took a candle, carefully unlocked the door of their prison, opened it a little way, and peered in. As he looked more closely, he saw the knife still clutched in the boy's hand, and the hole that the life had made. At once, he knew what the young prisoners had been trying to do, and he began to lock the door so as to keep them confined till he could give the alarm. But all at once, Lex awoke and gazed into the other's eyes. In a moment, the serving man burst into the room and sprang like a wild cat upon the boy, who scrambled to his feet and with his knife stabbed the man in the neck. At this, Brutus let go his hold and fled, screaming from the room. Of course, the struggle awoke Veritas, and she slammed the door and held herself against it, 
determined to prevent anyone from entering the room. The boy resumed his efforts to cut through the thick hide of the leviathan. Mindacia was awakened by her man staggering into her room, bleeding from a great gash in his neck. In a few words, he told what had happened. Mendacia rushed to the prison room and tried to enter, but the door was held fast. She threw herself against it again and again. The monster began to sway back and forth, and then to thrash the water as the boy dug deeper and deeper into his vitals. Finally, the huge creature rose clear off the water, shaking himself violently and wrecking the house completely. Suddenly, maddened by the pain of his terrible wound, he made for the bank and from there scrambled toward the woods, carrying what was left of his burden with him. Trees were broken down by his rush as he tore on in his mad dash for freedom. At last, he struck an old oak tree and the fastenings of the house gave way, but still the monster ran on. All that night, a party of the neighbors had ridden with the distracted fathers of the children, looking vainly for their dear ones. Toward morning, they heard a terrible noise and rode with haste to the spot from which it came, and there they found the children, lying unconscious by an old deserted house. They brought their lost ones home, all rejoicing. When the children told their story, the people of the village refused to believe them, for they had not seen the beast, nor his mistress. It was not until the swimmer, who had so nearly escaped, appeared and confirmed the report of the Leviathan, that the people credited the story. The children continued their friendship, and in due time they were married and had children of their own, to whom, in after years, they often told the tale of the Leviathan. End of chapter 6